Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate your presence, your time you take to listen to me, your support. And I hope you had a great weekend and are ready for a great uh, week ahead. So let's get straight down to it. We have talked about idol terrorism in, in this episode, in previous episodes, how... Uh, um, non-Hindus, uh, non-Dharmic people think that Indians or Hindus are idolaters, pagans, uh, kufar, um, stone, they say, stone temples, uh, stone, we believe in stone, so yeah, um, I mean, absolutely ridiculous, but uh, we wanted to talk about the stone, my dear friends, and the temples of India today, and the magnificent civilization that predated all these Abrahamic groups uh, that came for to loot these temples. We're not going to talk about something negative. We're going to talk about something positive today. Uh, the stunning architecture of uh, Indian temples, and uh, specifically one temple in particular, uh, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the Kopeshwar Temple in Ki Kidrapur, near Kolapur. So Kidrapu near Kolapur in Maharashtra, the, uh, the Kopeshwar Temple. Uh, before we do that, we are going to talk about briefly about Indian temples, okay, Vedic temples. So a Vedic temple, we often say Hindu temples, but the word is not Hindu because Hind um, is a land and the temples were built before this land was called Hindu. They were Vedic temples or temples that we call Vedic. We don't know what they called back then. So temples are identified uh, what these temples are and what the materials they built of, and then we'll go into the Kopeshwar temple. So Hindu temples or Vedic temples are identified by several names in different parts of India, commonly known as Mandir in Hindi or Devastana in Kannada, Devalya in Telugu, Koil or Kovil in Tamil. Okay, But at the core, a Vedic temple is an emblematic house, the 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 um, what can I say, the personification of the creator. The creator is an electromagnetic field, and it, it, it's an electromagnetic reactor. It holds, the, it holds the entire cosmos, and this cosmos is held in a galaxy, which is held in other galaxies, and this whole electromagnetic uh, uh, cosmic field that we are part of, what we are, because we are the cosmos. Is the, is the basis of all knowledge. The astronomy is the, uh, and, um, is the knowledge behind these temples. Um, and the place where we had fault lines, the earth has fault lines. It means lines, gaps in the surface of the earth where the magnetic field is at its highest. Okay, on those places are ancient places where temples were built because the temples were built on electromagnetic fault lines, uh, same way as the temples in Europe that are now converted into churches. And these temples were there to heal you or to help you uh, realign your um, your your magnetic pole axe of, of your body along with the magnetic poles and the magnetic axe on the planet. So it's important, These the magnetism behind the, these temples are the most important, and these temples were personification of the creator, uh, creator being the electromagnetic re reactor of our cosmos. So a structure that was designed and built to bring humans and this supreme power together was the mandir. 
The practices and traditions followed in each temples in India exist not only in history but in our present time. These traditions greatly influence the social cultural life of the people and give endurance to traditional Indian values. The evolution of the India's Hindu temple architecture is marked by strict adherence to the original ancient models which were derived from religious um, um, uh, Vedic consideration and remain constant over the centuries. Here are the main elements of Hindu temples. Sikara, this, so the temples are all about the country and they have certain elements that are basis of it. Sikara, this is a tower or the sphere, okay? Um, in a temple, the Shikara is a pyramidal roof which is represented, re represent the Mount Miru or the highest top of the mountain. The size and shape of the Shikara varies from region to region. The Garbagraha, the Garb means the womb. In this context, it is the innermost chamber of the temple, uh, the womb. Okay, where the magnetic field is at its highest. Okay, very important because we are magnetic fields. We are born out of cosmic energy. We are born out of the womb. Um, there's um, a magnetic creation, uh, a, a cosmic creation comes out of a womb. Uh, is it, it, it starts, commences. The meter goes on in the womb of the mother, and that womb. Uh, in is replicated in the temple because we have cosmic field. The temples are built on cosmic uh, energy fields. It's called the Garbagraha. The Garb means the womb. Um, the womb chamber, it's sh square shaped room which is entered by a door face in the east direction. The Pradekshina Pata, this is the ambulatory passage for circumambulation. It comprises of an enclosed corridor that is carried out around the exterior of the Garbagraha. The Mandapa, a pillared hall right in front of the Garbagriha, used by devotees to sit, to pray, to chant, and to meditate. Also, it is used by devotees to sit and watch the priests performing rituals, pray, chant, and meditate. So when they chant, uh, they're chanting mantras, the mantras are a combination of syllables with, with magnetic resonance. These mantras hit the stone and it vibrates, okay? And because you're on the electromagnetic fault line or a massive electromagnetic energy point, um, you, um, you're at that point, the, the, the vibrations vibrate to you and break open your chakras. If the chakras are knotted, then they break open and the energy field keeps to flowing, flowing, flowing. So it's very important these pillars, uh, these energy points in in the um, in in the temple, and that's uh, the pillared hall right in front of the Gadbagraha, used for devotees to meditate and to uh, circumambulate. It's called the Mandapa. Um, then there is the Nat Mandira, okay? In the olden days, rituals of music and dance were performed in the Nat Mandira. This area is also known as the Hall of Dancing, um, the Dancing Hall or the Music Hall. Uh, it's not like the music halls we have, like the, you know, St. Al Royal Albert Hall. That's not the case. It, it's, a, it's a hall to chant uh, with electromagnetic syllables. Uh, this Nat Mandira is also at the, uh, it's also at the, 
what's it called? It's also at the uh, Taj Mahal, my dear friends. We have a music hall, and they say that, oh, well, it's a mosque. It's a place uh, where people came to rest and stay. No, it's a music hall. It's at the Taj Mahal. Go and see it. Um, the sixth uh, important point of a temple is the atrium, the antarala, means the atrium or the intermediate chamber. This chamber unites the main sanctuary and the pillared hall of the temple. We also have the Ardamandapara, the main entrance of the front porch of the temple leading to the mandapa. Okay, you have the Gopurams, the monumental and ornate tower present at the entrance of the temple. They are more profoundly found in the temples of South India. Pita is the plinth or the platform of the temple. Um, the Toranas, the distinctive gateway of the temple, mostly seen in northern India. Most of the materials used in the construction of, uh, of the Vedic temples, um, the materials play an imperative role in the overall appearance and constructions and techniques, monuments and characters of these temples. These temples were built using all types of material depending upon the availability in different regions, from timber to mud to stone to plaster and bricks. Uh, the architecture displays true expertise and craftsmen of that particular era. So there are six prominent types of Vedic temples. One is the Nagara temple architecture. Uh, the style of Hindu temple architecture is mainly connected with the land between the Himalayas and the Vindhyas. The basic floor plan of uh, style of these temples are squares. It has many graduate uh, projections, uh, rattakas, in the center of each face which impacts a cruciform shape of the exterior. A temple tower, conical, convex shikara marks the elevation of these temples. The shikara comprises of numerous, of numerous layers which are carved and they are usually crowned by an amalkala, noticed notched ring stones. It is quite common to see the entire temple built on a stone platform with steps leading up to it. Nagara temple styles are very popular in northern India uh, and we have the Kandariya Mahadev temple in Kajirao, Madhya Pradesh is one of the finest examples of Nagara architecture. So it's south, so we'll, that's one. We're going to go to the South Indian temple architecture, sometimes called Dravidian, but I don't like to use the word Dravidian because this is very, uh, this, this is very Abrahamic and they put this label on it. Um, the architecture is one of most prominent architectural expressions in Vedic temples. This architectural style emerged in southern India, of a uh, southern part of the Indian subcontinent. The, the architecture consists mainly of uh, Hindu temples that are high gopura or gatehouses. Large temples consist of many gopuras. Countless empires and kingdoms like the Cholas, the Kakatyas, the Pandyas, the Cheras, the Kadambas, the Rashtrakutas, the Pallavas, the Gangas, the Vijayanagar Empire, among others, have made considerable contribution to the evolution of the Dravidian style, the South Indian style. Uh, majority of existing Vedic temple structures are located in the southern states of Karnataka, Telangana, Andhra Pradesh, Kerala, and Tamil Nadu. Uh, the Badami Chalukya architecture. During the Badami Chalukya uh, rule, the Indian architecture witnessed a total, a totally eminent phase. Um, 
during 500 to 757 CE, Badami Chalukya laid the foundation of cave temple architectures on the banks of the uh, Malabraha River in Karnataka. The Badami cave temples located in the town of Badami in North Karnataka is one of the finest temples of this architecture. More than a hundred temples located in the village of um, Elahol historic temple complex and the group monuments of the Patakdal are recognized as UNESCO World Heritage Sites, including the architectural structures like the Malikarjuna Temple and Viru, uh, Virupaksha Temple. Um, so that's one style. The fourth style is the Gadag uh, architecture. This style of temple architecture is also known uh, as the Western Chalukya architecture. It flourished in for 150 years from 1050 CE to 1200 CE. During this period, about around 50 temples were built. The style, um, uh, the style is marked by ordinate pillars with intricate sculptures. Few examples include the Dodda Basa Temple in Dambal, the Amritswara Temple at Anigiri, the Saraswati Temple in Tirukat. Tiruteshwara Temple Complex at Gadag and the Kasi Visivera Temple in Lakundi. I'm just going through these names, they're tongue twisting. And we never learned all of this in school. We learned about the Taj Mahal. Talk about uh, colonization of our mind and relics of colonial empires not letting us free all and pretending that we've got independence, but in reality, we're not. Uh, but we will rise up to a better day, my dear friends. And we go to our fifth. Um, um, we go to our fifth um, type of temple uh, architecture, um, Kalinga architecture. We've heard the word Kalinga before. Uh, one of the most prominent example of Kalinga architecture is the Jagannath Temple Puri. Uh, temple of Puri and Konak Temple Kalinga architecture uh, flourished in the beautiful state of Odisha and Andhra Pradesh, my friend. We know about the Konak Temple. Absolutely magnificent. If you haven't seen it, please go there. Three unique temple types of temples um, are the Rekadula, Pidadula, and the Kaha. Ka, sorry. Kahakara Dwella. The term Dwella is a, in the local language means temple. Uh, so uh, it's absolutely great. Uh, please go there and visit it. Learn and, and, and pick up uh, any research, try any research on Kalinga architecture. Uh, we go to the sixth type is the Maru Gujara temple architecture originated in the colorful state of Rajasthan, sometimes around the 6th century. Maru Gujara is another amazing style of Hindu art temple architecture. Uh, this style of temple architecture consists of two notable designs, that is Maru Gujara and Mahamaru. The former is considered an exclusive Western Indian architectural style, uh, differs noticeably from the temple architecture of North India, but it is observed to have similar features as the Hosla temple architecture. The popular Nagara temple in Rajasthan exemplifies style. So that is very, very important. Um, and uh, like I said, our duty is to use our knowledge of our ancestors um, 
and use it as much as possible uh, to help uh, to to uh, impart this knowledge for people who are poor, people who are weak, have the conversation with them, um, give them the confidence, give them the knowledge of our ancient ancestors, one person at a time, and we can research and we can resurrect our Indian civilization, our Vedic civilization. So something I, I want to talk to you about, um, about Hindu temple architecture. Uh, the areas of Vedic temples are usually vast and many of them built near water bodies, okay, in the lap of nature. This is because in ancient Sanskrit texts, the most suitable site for Vedic temples referred as Mandar is at close proximity to water bodies and gardens where flowers blossom, uh, chirping birds, sounds of uh, um, species of life uh, can be heard and with... can and animals can rest without fear. Um, these places exhibiting tranquility are recommended by the text for building Vedic temples. Um, also, Vedic temples are suggested near natural water bodies like confluence of rivers, river banks, seashores, lakes, according to the Puranas and Bharat Samhita. The mandars can even be constructed in sites devoid of natural water bodies. However, such suggestions include building of a, up of a pond with water gardens in front of the mandir as towards, or towards the left. In the absence of both natural and man-made water bodies, water remains typically present during the consecration of the deity of the mandir. Um, and in, um, if you go to the Ved Sanskrit text, Vishnu Dharam Motara, Purana also recommends building of temples within caves and chiseled out tops, stones atop hills amid spectacular and serene views within heritage, hermitage and forest besides gardens and at the upper end of a street or town. Now I just want to elaborate on this. If you go to any ancient civilization, uh, Mayan civilization, you see the... Um, the, the, all the South American civilization, the Inca civilizations, you see the pyramids of Egypt, you see the pyramids in Africa, you see all the ancient churches which were formerly temples prior to the Christian civilization, uh, they're all built along water bodies. Very, very important. All these ancient temples, whether you go to Cambodia, whether you go to uh, Vietnam, whether you go to Malaysia, you go to Indonesia, they're all built near water bodies. Why? because water is a very good conductor of energy, okay? Very, very good conductor of energy. So uh, what you would do is the temple is always built on a fault line. You take, you check out any temple anywhere in India, in the world, the pyramids, they're all built on water bodies. So they're always built on a fault line where the magnetic field is at its highest and uh, in conjunction with a water body. Why? First and foremost, when you before the, you go into the temple, uh, which is a high magnetic field, and you circumambulate, you are realigning your 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 body, your magnetic poles, your body, the axis of your body with the uh, magnetic poles of the planet. So that's what you're doing. And the best way to do it is enhance the energy is water because water is a good conductor of energy. What uh, of uh, electric electric current, remember that. Um, 
what is a good co conductor of electric, uh, electric electricity. And that's why they say for women, do not go to a temple uh, when you're menstruating. Uh, Abrahamic th uh, religions think it's, uh, it's dirty, it's filthy because the body is filthy. It's not because of that. It's because when you have the... the the uh, Garbhagraha, the magnetic field of the temple, uh, what happens is um, the, the, the force, the, uh, the alignment is from, uh, from bottom, from up to down, uh, sorry, from down to up. It's like a, a garden hose. The garden hose, the water comes from the ground and goes up. So similarly, the energy field is from, from bottom to up. But when a woman has her menstrual cycles, her energy is going in the opposite direction. So energy is going from top to down. Your blood flow, because your blood is leaving your body, it goes from the top of the body, it goes flows downwards. So it contradicts the energy field of the, uh, of, of the temple, of the magnetic field around the temple. And that causes uh, health problems, medical problems in the human being, in the, in the woman. And she's told to stay away from the temple during the time of her menstrual cycles, not because she's unclean, but thanks to uh, our lovely um, Abrahamic religions who didn't know this, they now uh, they call it um, unclean, and and a lot of millions of people all around the world, billions of people, think that they cannot go to a temple. Even in India, they think they cannot go to a temple during menstrual cycles because of the simple fact that uh, God said you're unclean, but it's not true. But uh, to come to the fact that yes, the water every every temple is building a water body because water enhances the electromagnetic field of your body, and and it's a good conductor of energy. And also because the water body at the, at, at the bottom uh, has to be, normally is a flowing uh, source of water, not a, not a stagnant or not a pond. If you don't have a choice, then you build a pond. But um, it's supposed to be a flowing, a continuous flowing source because water has physioelectricity, okay? To the force of the water... Uh, releases physioelectricity. With that physioelectricity, it goes from the bottom uh, below the temple. It goes it 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 goes up towards the temp up towards the top of the temple. It rises through the temple, and you actually get electric current. You can use it for electric current. Um, uh, there are certain there are ways of doing it, and if you know, the, if you read about the pyramids, if you understand why the pyramids were built at that particular point, you will understand why physioelectricity is very important. There are videos on YouTube explaining the physioelectricity used by the ancients of the pyramid. Very important. Uh, you can go to it, and every single temple was the same. So that's why they need the water currents. The temple was always built at the highest point of magnetic field uh, and in, in relation with the, um, the water body uh, reaching it. Um, and, and yes, this was very important for the ancient temples. I don't know if we still do it today, but it, it, is, it was uh, the ancient world did, did do that. And that's why all our temples have ponds or water bodies at the side of it. So we'll go to the layout of Hindu temples, um, pursues a geometric design known as Vastu Purusha Mandala, the name of which derived from three vital components of the design, namely Vastu, meaning vas or place or dwelling. 
Purusha meaning the universal principle and Mandala meaning circle. Vastu Purusha Mandala is a mystical diagram referred in Sanskrit as a Yantra. The symmetrical and real repeating, self-repeating model of a Vedic temple demonstrated in the design is derived from the primary convictions um, and mathematical standards. According to the Vastu Purusha Mandala, the most sacred and typical template for a, Hindu, a Vedic temple is the 8 by 8 and into 64 grid, the Manduku Hindu temple floor plan, also referred as the Bekapada and Ajira. The temple, um, the layout, this, okay, um, the axis of the Mandir is created with the aid of four fundamentally significant directions and thus a perfect square is created around the axis of the available space. This square is circumcised, circumscribed as the mandala circle and divided into perfect square grids is held sacred. On the other hand, the circle is regarded as the human and worldly that can be perceived as notified as noticed in the daily life of the sun, the moon, the rainbow, the horizon or water drops. Both the square and the circle support each other. The model is, is usually seen in large temples with an 81 sub-square grid in observed and is observed in ceremonial uh, temple uh, superstructures. Each square is within the main square referred as a pada, symbolize a specific current that can be in the form of a deity, an aspara or a spirit. The, the primary or the innermost square of the 64 grid model called Brahma Padas is dedicated to Brahman. The Garbhagraha or the center of the house situated in the in the Brahma Padas houses the main deity. The outer concentric layer to the Brahma Pada is the Devika Pada signifying facets of the Devas or gods which is again surrounded by the next layer. The Manusha Pada which is ambulatory. The devotees circumambulate clockwise to perform Parikrama in the Manusha Paras, with Devika Paras in the inner side and Paishika Paras symbolizing facets of the Ashuras and the evils on the outer side forming the last concentric square. The three outer Paras in the large temple generally adorn uh, inspirational paintings, carvings and images with the wall reliefs and image of different temples depicting legends of different Hindu epics and Vedic stories. Illustrations of Arta, Kama, Dharma and Moksha can be found in the embellished carvings in images adorning the walls, ceilings and the pillars of temples. The pillared out outdoor halls or pavilions called Mandapa mean, meant for the public ritual which is one in the east serving and waiting for the devotees adorn the large temples. The, mand the Mandir spire, usually a tapering conical pyramidical structure uh, with a dome designed adhering principles of concentric squares and circles and referred in North India as the Shikaha and Vimana in South India is symmetrically aligned exactly above the Brahmapada and central core of the Mandir. Compounds of many larger temples, uh, houses, uh, smaller temples and shrines that also follow fundamental aspects of the grid, symmetry and mathematical perfection 
repetition of mirroring of fra fractal like design structure forms a significant principle of Hindu temple designs. The manuals comprising of the uh, Vedic tem temple layouts uh, plans with squares in counts of 1, 4, 9, 16, 25, and thus reaching up to 10, 24. Each plan of different uh, paras have individual significance. For instance, one para plan, uh, one in for instance, in one para plan, the para is regarded as a seat of the devotee or hermit to perform the yoga, the yoga meditation, or offer offerings to the Vedic fire. The four para plan, also mediative design, represents a core at the center and a nine para layout that generally forms models of small temples. Uh, of smallest temples has a divine surrounding center. Although the perfect square grid temple is primarily found in different temples of India. Some whole exceptions such as the Teli Kamandir and the Nasir Narisa uh, temple in Madhya, um, in Madhya Pradesh and the Nakti Mata temple in Rajasthan. Um, indicating that uh, Vedic well, the Vedic uh, century, the Vedic civilization welcomed flexibility, creativity, and aesthetic independence of artists. Um, so basically, yeah, that is uh, exactly what it is. I have uh, given you different types of Vedic architecture, and I am going to go to something very important that I wanted to talk to you about. We, we said we were going to um, talk about our, our Vedic civilization, and spread the knowledge and today we're going to talk about something very very beautiful the stunning architecture of the Kopeshwar temple in Kid Kidrapur near Kolapur in Maharashtra a masterpiece of Chalukyan temple architecture it is yet to get the fame like the Chola temples of Tanjavur or the Chandala temples of the Kujarao maybe because it is a single temple in the region with small smaller Jain temples in the vicinity maybe it's time the time has come now okay the Kopeshwar Mahadev temple in Kid Kidrapur was um, um, was a temple absolutely uh, you know glorious in its prime uh, nestled between the relatively new houses uh, modern houses and buildings the stone door uh, with a lovely um, door the stone door with a lovely entrance welcome welcomes everyone and the first thing you notice the shining polished stones um, this first thing you notice is the shining polish the stones carry it would have soon uh, we we have different types. It has a wonderful area of, temp of pillars inside, uh, polished and shining to its prime. Um, now, there are circular temples, um, and there's one, the, sorry, the circular pillars, and the many stories attached to them. I saw the single, uh, should I say, the single Dwarpala on the right side of the Antral Dwar or the door leading to the vestibule. Uh, the other space was empty waiting for the Murti to be fixed or, um, you know, or someone could have stolen it completely. The Antral, 
uh, or the door leading to the vestibule is f is full of the mandanika or sur sundari images the beautiful women who adorned with, with all kinds of jewelry and are considered auspicious the garbagriha of the, or the sanctum has two lingas and there's an interesting legend about it there are mandanikas on the walls of the sanctums as well this is where the same lady pointed us um, pointed uh, to the meditation cave on the left and it felt like a perfect place to sit and meditate in complete darkness. Um, there were sculptures of Shiva, Brahma, Vishnu, Devi and punctuated by mandikas in various poses. I did notice a lovely Krishna Murti. However, it was our guide. Uh, it was, um, it had to be explained. Okay, so I'm reading from... Um, a place called India Tales, and I hope you'll go to it. Um, and you can read, uh, you can read about this later on. So uh, this this article explains the the Hoshwa Temple absolutely perfectly well, and I'm reading to you from it. Um, so the history of the Kopeshwa Temple at Kidarpu. There are different views on this temple, why it was built. Uh, sources point to it being the first to first build in the 7th century, probably built by the Badami Chalukyas. Other places place it in the 9th century, uh, during the times of the Kalyani Chalukyas, uh, while yet other sources point it to be the 12th century, built by Shilarka kings, who were earlier vessels of the Chalukyan dynasty. Um, it's more likely the 9th century CE temple later enhanced by Shilakars. Do um, there's a lot of incomplete elements of the temple. Uh, for example, the incomplete north and south muk mandapas in incomplete carvings of pillars with markings uh, markings for carvings. Uh, incomplete structures give you insight into the making of temples. The sh the shikar of the temple is also out of sync with the rest of the structure. Temples uh, are always evolutionary that we're always in the mode of construction uh, the temple has 12 inscriptions 11 of which are in old Kannada script while one is in Devangri however none of these inscriptions tell us about who built it and when one of them is dating to the to 1204 of the Yadava kings of Diogari they do mention the renovation of the temple implying the temple existed well before the 12th century mark Marks of Aran's visits in 1702 can be seen all over the broken images of the temple. Most faces and hands are broken, weapons are broken, as are the trunks of the elephants that form the platform of the temple stands. The stories of, of Sanatan Dharm, every story eventually goes back to the story of Sati, self-emulation of her, of her, at her father Daksha's Yaga. Kopishwar Mahadev celebrates a moment that is a key episode in our history. Uh, after Sati kills herself, Shiva is angry. Vishnu steps in to pacify her anger. It is at that moment that the temple freezes in time. Since Shiva is angry, to get he gets his name Kopishwar. Kopa means anger in Sanskrit. And Vishnu was present there as a second linga to pacify Shiva. Nandi is an integral part of every Shiva temple. Um, Nandi is an integral part of every Shiva temple and is missing here, not without reason. 
When this episode happened, Nandir accompanied Sati to her father's place. So he's absent here. However, Daksha, the Daksha place is in the Kankal in Haridwar. But people in Maharashtra believe it to be in the Yadur village, a few kilometers across the Krishna River. The Nandi there is Virdabara, uh, Virbhadara temple. It looks, and it seems to look towards this temple. Um, the architecture of the Kopishwar temple, um, as per is architecturally, it's as per the Shilpa Shastra, which is probably the richest temple in Maharashtra. The stone used in this temple is hard basalt rock that is found at the Sayadri Range Mountains, the closest point being 60 kilometers away. So the stone had been ported here by the Panjganga and the Krishna rivers. Most of our rivers had good waterways once upon a time. Um, the, so the Swarga Mandap, an exclusively, exquisitely carved structure, with a circular opening, open ceiling is the most unique feature of the temple. I have not seen anything like anywhere in temples across India uh, to this, about this. Um, to the best of my knowledge, there's never been one like it anywhere else. The Swarga Mandap is the first part of the temple that you see once you step in it. It is detached from the main temple uh, by a small margin. The circular structure of the Swarga Mandap is supported by 48 pillars, each of which is beautifully carved, seen from the outside. So you can see the impression of inverted lotus on the roof. There are 12 horizontal spokes coming out of the ceiling, both inside and outside the structure. The 12 deities, uh, inside edge has 12 deities carved on them. There are 8 deities of 8 directions, collectively called Dig. Pulse occupying their respective direction. In addition, there are four images of Vishnu, Kartik, Sun, and Shiva. All the deities are riding their respective image vehicles with the consorts, except the Kartik, who is believed to be a Brahmachari or single. Figures are carved in a manner that if you stand in the middle, you will only see the deity riding alone. It is one where you step aside, you will see the consorts sitting behind them. You simply smile at the craft of the architect who designed it and you wonder what, when, why, when, why and how it loses it all. The circular stone slab on the floor called Rangashila is exactly the same size as the hole in the ceiling, roughly measures 14 feet in diameter and is carved out of a single stone, talks about mathematics in our temple architecture. And the 48 pillars surrounding the open space in the Swarga Mandap are carved in geometric patterns. The, pol the polish is to be seen, is to be seen, to be believed about metallic finish. Of these 12 pillars around the Rangshila, uh, at the bottom of which these pillars are the different temple architectural designs carved in especially Shikara styles. The slim strip uh, going around the pillars uh, have different flowers carved in it. An obvious question that comes to mind is why would the ceiling be open? A logical answer that I got was that this place was used to perform yaganas, so as to open the ceiling was required. And another explanation is said to be the sky from inside the temple. Uh, you could see the sky from inside the temple. Uh, the sky, as we know, is one of the five elements that everything is supposed to be made of. 
The name Swarga Mandap comes from this window to the sky, as it is believed that you see the Swarga, or the heavens, or the cosmic uh, sky from here. So, um, so in this temple, uh, you can see the trinity of Sanatan Dharma in it. The Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh are, um, are visible in one frame. Shiva is in the inside of the temple as the presiding deity. Brahma can be seen on the left wall of the temple and Vishnu on the right. Um, in, interestingly, you can see all three of them from this point and no other deity. So the Swarga Mandap is part of the main temple, slightly detached from the Swarga Mandap. The Dojab is beautiful with a Saraswati Murti on the top and the Purna Kalash on both sides. Lower panels on both sides of the door have 10 Dwarpalas, 5 on each side. The figures are well ornamented and adorned and they look beautifully even when their gadas are broken. At the bottom is a panel of mystical animals called Vyals. Uh, the lattices windows with the flowers carved at intersections is a signature element of the Chalukin uh, architecture. Uh, the incomplete Chandrashila is carved in the front of the door. Inside the Sabha Mandap, the geometry of the Swarga Mandap is repeated except the ceiling is covered here. Sixty pillars are arranged in three layers, a layer in the middle, um, the third layer embedded in the wall, and the fourth corner pillar is bigger than the rest of the other pillars. Each pillar has the Kirti carved on it. It is different... Um, style with different motives. Some of the motives include peacocks, uh, crocodiles, dancers, vahanas like Garuda, deities like Vishnu, Shiva, uh, sadhus, fruits, flowers. Polish on the back basalt stone shines like a mirror, my friends. Uh, coming to the pillars, in some of the pillars we admire the miniature version of the sculptures. There is no single detail was missing. A small carving of Vishnu and Lakshmi has all the jewelry properly carved with iconographic details that help you identify the deity. There are two Jataka Panchatantra tales that can be seen carved on these pillars. One is that of a monkey and crocodile, the other is of a talkative tortoise. There are depictions of Vasant Ritu or the spring season. There are mirage images of, mirage, mirror images of dancers and animals. The Ramayana panel showcases the Hanuman and the Ram Lakshman. The carvings of some of the pillars are in an incomplete stage. A circular Rangshila again takes the center stage here. The performance here would have been like a puja offered to the deity inside the Garbhagraha. In one corner of the Sapta, uh, of the Sapta Matrika is on a sandstone alone. The Bhairava Murti is one of the niches look uh, looks like a later edition. Uh, so you have also the Dwarpala. The masterpiece of the Sabha Mandap is the Dwarpala outside the vestibule. It is heavily embellished with the jewelry designs that can still be seen in the market of Kolapur. Um, the crown has a row of mundmalas or the garland of skulls. The jewelry is brilliant and finished to fine. Uh, square, uh, square vestibules uh, again are some lovely, have some lovely carved figures and a place 
to see the temple dojan on the right wall of the vestibule is a longish inscription in old kannada the garba griha sanctum uh, we we crossed a finely carved chandrashila with conch cells and crocodiles carvings to enter the garba griha on top of the dojan is lakshmi there is a depiction of the life around the door and the suspicious figures like purana kum makar and mayur or pots crocodiles and peacocks the unique features uh, of the garba griha of this temple is that you find the mandika uh, figures all around the walls of the sanctum unfortunately most of them are broken the two lingas depicting shiva and vishnu are the base level and a and you have pujaris using them very well. Uh, so the Garba Griha has two lingams, one representing Shiva at the Koshiva, the second represents Vishnu at Dopishwar as the pacifier of Shiva. Since the temple celebrates that moment, both Shiva and Vishnu are present at the lingam uh, from here. Um, and what can be witnessed is a unique sh- um, unique Srinagar, uh, Shringar of uh, Kopeshwar Shivlinga here with the dahi bat or the rice and curd. As you know that there's a little cooling combination uh, so that this is applied to the deity every day during the summer months from Mahashivaratri to Ashtak Shukla Panchami. This is called the Bhukti Puja in Kannada and dahi bhat Puja in Marathi. I have um, Yes, so basically that's what it is. We'll go to the outer walls of the temples, uh, which are very unique. At the eye level is a panel of 92 elephants that goes around the temple, my friend, giving you a feeling that the elephants are carrying the temple uh, on their backs. This is unique to this temple. Each of the 92 elephants is carved differently. Each elephant has different jewelry and different deities uh, riding them. Unfortunately, one of the most, uh, one most have the trunks uh, broken by invaders. We know who we're talking about. Some of them have survived. Show you glimpse of how beautiful they have looked, holding fruits and mangoes and sugar canes. You see the elephant panel replicated the Akshadharm Temple in Delhi. On the three sides of the temples are images of Shiva Parvati with the images of Brahma and Vishnu on either side. All of them are carved in different ways. There is no repetition. The gargoyle is the shape of the crocodile is beautiful. Uh, the gargoyle in the shape of the, of the crocodile. Uh, it's waterfalls on unique star-shaped tanks. Deities on outer walls. So the four corners of the Sabha Mandap have major deities carved on them. The deities like Brahma, Vishnu, Ganpati, Krishna as Murli, Dara, Shiva, Devi, Bhairav, uh, Bali, Vaman, Chandra, Surya, Adha, Nashrivara, Madan, Rati, Saraswati, Ganga, Maha, Ma, Mahi, Shash, Shasur, Mardini, Nataraja, all can be seen in different poses. There's, there are scenes from the Mahabharata with Bhim and Draupadi and Ramayan, with Hanuman seen with the Ram and Sita holding the ring. Most deities are riding the elephants except the Shiva Parvati, who are always in their, on their Nandi. Uh, there is a broken murti on the second Dwarpala near the left of the sudden door of the Sabamanda. There shows on one side 
the door is on one side shows the seven out of ten Dwarpalas are women. Close to it is a Sanskrit inscription in Devangri script that tells us about the renovation of the temple in 1214. The inscription has the sun and the moon on the top. The Shivalinga is being worshipped by the Purohit below uh, them along with a cow and a sword. Concells on the left is the real royal emblem of the of the Yadavas also trace the descent of the Vishnu avatar to of Krishna. Uh, both southern and northern doors of the Savamandap, you can see the incomplete structures that were planned but never completed. Can, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the ones um, yeah, that are incomplete uh, are the, well, there's a whole list of this. I'm not going to go to it. Uh, so, if you look clearly, the fashion trends from across the ages depicted here, part curls, part straight hair, nails, art, shorts, uh, high heels, different hairstyles, accessories, jewelry design, belt, mirror, ornaments, everything can be found on the Madakina sculptures. The sculptures in the inside fold the temple walls that have managed to escape the sun and the rain that shine as if it was polished yesterday. You have to imagine how the temple would have looked when all the images shined in the same way. Um, so the shikaras, uh, when you stand on one side of the temple and look at the structure as a whole, you would notice a stark mismatch in the architecture of the shikara or the superstructure of the rest of the temple. That's because it was probably added later and probably in a hurry to complete the incomplete temple. After going in and out of the temple, um, you know, it was, um, it has to be on your must-see list, my dear friends. So, uh, about 200 meters away uh, is a smaller Jain temple, uh, built in the same fashion, but a smaller one. The temple is dedicated to Adinath, the first Tirthankar of the Jains. The Shikara of the temple is painted and has Jain motifs, but the main temple is stone and some lovely Mankina uh, figures. Uh, so that's a beautiful, beautiful uh, pl uh, temple to visit. Like I said, we're going to have to raise our Vedic civilization by talking about these temples, the architecture. Uh, this temple is about 70 kilometers from Kolapur, the closest city. Um, and you can go to it from, uh, it's about two hour drive from Kolapur. Um, absolutely. Um, it takes a long while. Um, you know, to, to go to the temple, um, because it's absolutely beautiful, um, but it can all be done. So if you have a time, if you're in the area, you have time, please do visit the temple. Um, ask your friends and everyone to do research on the temple. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, and we would like to resurrect our Vedic civilization again, slowly by slowly. Um, this, uh, blog was this, uh, this lecture was taken from the blog of indetails.com you can go onto their site it's absolutely beautiful um, very important uh, knowledge uh, very important information and um, I will post it on my website if you want on my Facebook page if you want to take a look at it my friends um, absolutely stunning uh, this is our Vedic heritage we can resurrect it by empowering ourselves with knowledge Thank you so very much for listening today. Um, 
do come and um, do share this with your friends, your families, Facebook, your your social media uh, people, uh, and talk about it, discuss it with your um, in your schools, colleges, and and visit it. Uh, share the knowledge with anyone and anyone you can get so that we are able to resurrect our civilization. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great week. Peace to all of you. Until we meet again.